Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. All right. We're excited. We've been in a series the past couple weeks. This is week six of a series that we've called Cage Free. Bam, birds, cage free. It's exciting. We are exploring the idea that Jesus set us free so that we can be free indeed. And our passage, our main one that sums up the whole series is Galatians 5.1. And that is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And that, by that we mean being slave to our own cages. Being locked into things that quite frankly, cages we've built for ourselves and that the enemy has just held the door open and let us come in. We've covered many different topics today, but the one that I'll be tackling specifically this morning is the cage of rejection. Now, when Pastor Brandon asked me on Monday morning at 11.45 a.m. to preach this morning, and he told me what he would like covered to, co- to come along with the series. He's like, son, you're covering rejection. And I said, I don't know if I can do that. I said, I really haven't felt that much big rejection in my life. I said, I haven't gone for my dream job and got rejected. I didn't get down on one knee to propose and my wife said, no, praise the Lord. If you asked me, it was dicey. I was kind of, you know, I wasn't sure. But she was sure, praise the Lord. <laughs> but I really haven't felt that much rejection. And I was lying to myself. I was lying to my dad, basically, telling him I didn't know what to cover because in all honesty, I was just too scared to go where we're gonna go today. There are three points of rejection that I wanna cover. We're gonna start with our first one, is that the rejection by others can and will cripple the call of God on your life. It can and will cripple the plan that God has on your life. We're going to start in John verse 1. We're going to go 11 through 12. It says that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're also going to look at a verse that we've already heard today, which is funny because I didn't tell anybody what my verses were, but it's Isaiah 53, and we're going to specifically look at verses 2 through 3. It says, he grew up to before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty of majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance, his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from which people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. You see, Jesus came into what was his own and they rejected him. And the point I wanna bring across is that you're called specifically to somewhere. You have a plan. And when you come into it and you're rejected by others and you let that sink in, it throws it completely off track. In prep for this sermon, right, I was hanging out with my son, Wyatt. He's two, he's precious, he's perfect, he's beautiful, I love him. He's really into two main things right now, and as a father, I could not be more excited. It's Spider-Man and the Cars movies. Let's go. 
I can watch those all day long. Blippy, be quiet. We're listening to cars right now. Like, Blippy's great. He's educational and all that. But like after an hour or so, you're like, you're done. Okay? Switching it to cars. So I was prepping for my sermon on Friday morning, and my wife had to work. So Wyatt came up to the church with me. And I was getting him to eat his breakfast, and he wouldn't do it. He was so excited to play with all the toys. We were in a different environment than usual. So I did what any reasonable parent would do, and I turned on the TV. Okay? We don't do it often. I'm being serious. We really don't. We're very careful with that. But I couldn't get him to eat his breakfast. And so I was like, what do I want to watch that he will also watch? Because it was early. Anyway, so I was like, Cars 3, perfect. It's the second best of the Cars movies. It's Cars 1, Cars 3, Cars 2. You can, you can debate me later if you want, but that's the order, okay? So we're watching Cars 3. And in this movie, we're gonna, I'm gonna briefly go over it with you, I promise, I'm gonna be quick. Lightning McQueen, getting old, new guys coming in, passing him up, right? He gets cocky, he wrecks, now he's all like busted up and whatnot, okay? Rusty's gets bought out by a billionaire, cool, yay for them, new training facility. This is where we pick up. A new trainer, her name is Cruz, okay? How funny, a car named Cruz, right? This trainer wanted to be a racer. That's what she felt like she was built for. But she'd been rejected by everybody else in the racing community, had a shot and blew it, and decided to become the next best thing. She's gonna train up the next, the next ones to come up. So Lightning McQueen gets to her, and she calls him the senior project. She's gonna build him back up to race. So they go throughout the whole movie, racing in different venues, a school bus tries to kill him, it's crazy, go watch it, okay? But now it comes time for the big race, okay? Now, mind you, there's one new car, new at this point. Anyway, his name's Jackson Storm, okay? He is fast, okay? He listened to Ricky Bobby, said, I wanna go fast, he did it, okay? He was breaking records on the track, he was going like 215 miles an hour, which is bonkers, that's so fast. But anyway, we get to the big race, Jackson Storm's messing with Lightning McQueen, you know, a bunch, and they start racing, okay? In the middle of that, Cruz gets kicked out of the stadium. He needs his trainer there, but he gets kicked out by the owner. He's like, nah, bring her back, I need her. Then gives up his spot for Cruz. You're gonna have people in your life that are gonna recognize where you're supposed to be and they're gonna put you on track. Believe in those people. So Cruz gets painted up and she gets on the track and she starts kind of going. Right? And so the, the crew chief, Lightning McQueen, is telling her, like, hey, tell her all the little, all the little crabs have gone night-night. Like, say that. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. And he's like, fine, then tell her she's a fluffy cloud. She's a fluffy cloud. I don't know. He's like, I'm not saying that. So then Lightning McQueen takes over. I promise I'm getting there. Takes over as crew chief. Then Cruz starts zipping, man. She starts making her way through the pack. She looks like she's been doing this her whole life. She has finally stepped in to what was hers. She makes her way through the pack. She is now number three. And Jackson Storm's team says, hey, she's on your tail. And she's gonna catch you. And he was like, nope. He starts slowing down and gets in her ear. And he says, what are you doing here? What's wrong with you? Why don't you just go ahead and quit? Everybody else knows what you and I already know. And that is that you don't belong here. And all of that right there, just those few words, all that rejection she had felt in her entire life starts to bubble up. And she starts to believe it. And at that point, she starts to sink back in the pack. She's dipping back. When you allow the enemy to get into your ear, 
and remind you of all the times other people said that you've been rejected, it takes a toll, whether you want to accept it or not. But thank the Lord we have him. At this point in the movie, Lightning McQueen says something I'll never forget. And it's something that since Friday I've stuck with, okay? I've been doing real good these past few days. He says, don't you see? He's scared of you. Don't you see? He's only getting in your head because he's scared you're going to take his win. And she's like, what? And he's like, don't you, don't you see what he's doing? He's just trying to derail you. The enemy is scared of you. And he will stop at nothing, even if that means he's got to back off a little bit to come to your level. He will stop at nothing to derail what you're trying to do. The life that God has called you to live, he's gonna creep back and he's gonna remind you of all the times you felt rejected. He's gonna remind you of all the times you felt beneath. He's gonna remind you of your failures. But because he's scared of you. Now what about the times that we reject Jesus? What about the times it's us doing the rejecting? When my dad asked me to preach, this is the part that I didn't want to go to. You see, uh, uh, I was there. I was the one who was doing the rejecting. Middle school was, was a really hard time. Before, before we get into that, I need to read my verses. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. We're going to go into Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Okay? Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Jesus has been ministering, has been doing great things. People are getting up when they couldn't walk. There's a woman with the issue of blood, touches his cloak. She's healed. It's incredible. He is moving like crazy. Okay? Now, we pick up in Mark 6, verses 1 through 6. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked, what's his wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his home. He could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus is being rejected by his own town. In preparation for this sermon, I was reading this passage a couple times. I didn't know if I was going to use it or not, because I'm like, that doesn't really tie in to everything, but it does. You see, he was rejected in his own home, and that's us. See, he's still being rejected in his own home to this day. And that's where I found myself in middle school. You see, I'm one of the youth leaders in our youth group. If you don't know we have a youth group, we do. It's on Wednesdays at 7. It's great you should come. But specifically, I am one of the leaders of the middle school boys. Middle school boys, let's go. Middle school boys in the house, let's go. (laughs) And there's a specific reason for that. Middle school was one of the darkest times in my life, specifically seventh grade. Seventh grade was hard. I was bullied quite heavily at my school. From just from, from verbal altercations to physical, there are plenty of times where I ended up with some bumps and bruises and scrapes and whatnot. 
But not only that, as I'm be honest, I wasn't a very good student. I was the kind of student that started the project when it was already late. Um, and in that, my grades slipped. And with that, I got in trouble at home quite a bit, as I should have, right? It was discipline. It was needed. I was the one at fault. With that being said, I began to start to reject everybody. I'd already felt rejected in my own school by my own peers. And now I'm in trouble all the time at home. And I decided, you know what? It's bound to happen. They're going to start rejecting me, so I'm just going to throw up that wall first. So I decided in my heart, I'm going to start building walls around it. And in that, not only did I reject my peers, my family, I started to reject Jesus too. Thinking, how could he allow this to happen? I'm involved every Sunday. I go to youth every Wednesday. How is this happening? And I began to reject him, thinking he just, he just doesn't see me anymore. He's just kind of given up. I've done, I've done too much. And there was one night in seventh grade when I was at my lowest and I had decided that I was the common denominator and everyone's problem. I'm gonna fix this equation and just take myself out of it. And that night I had attempted to take my own life. And I woke up and I was mad thinking, I can't, I audibly said, well, I can't even do this. So I'm gonna try again. And so the next night, or that, that, that same, that, that night, I had tried again in a different way. And by the grace of God, I woke up again. And it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like I had this realization that like, oh, I'm here for a reason. God has a purpose on my life, which he does, and I did. But that's not even why I quit. I quit because I couldn't even do it. I gave up because... I couldn't even do that. And I hid that for years. I didn't open up to the first person about that till I was 18. I was 12 or 13 years old at the time. I was wearing a mask way before it was mandated. You just saw me in public, you'd have thought, there's that happy little Weston just running around wrong. I was broken. I was depressed and was in a hole that I had dug for myself that I had rejected everybody else. And I know if I would have just opened my mouth and I had talked to my parents about where I really was and who I really was at that moment, that I would have been met with love and I would have been met with acceptance and they would have helped me and they would have prayed for me because nobody in my life prays for me more than my parents. And if you would have asked me that, logically I'd have been like, yeah, did I believe it? No. Because the enemy had gotten in my ear and had told me everybody hated me. Just go ahead and shove them aside because it's your fault. You have to realize that you are accepted. You have to realize that you may be rejecting Jesus, but he is not rejecting you. He is accepting you, that he's ready for you to run out with open arms. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't tell my parents about this until Wednesday because I knew that if I had to be vulnerable with y'all, I had to be vulnerable with them. 
And I was met with open arms and acceptance and, and they loved me and they hugged on me and they prayed for me and they just embraced me. And that's what would have happened if I had just opened up back then, but I kept my mouth shut. And that's the worst thing you can do. Because you see, whenever you reject Jesus, hold on, I have it right here. Sorry. When you reject Jesus, it leads to your own captivity. I had held myself hostage in my own cage because I decided that nobody wanted anything to do with me. So I don't want anything to do with them. When in reality, the Lord was drawing close enough to whisper, to tell me that he loves me, to tell me that he's already accepted me. And I didn't learn that until I was 18, 19. I mean, honestly, when my wife and I started dating, she even helped me a lot. I was 19 years old. 20 years old, somewhere in there, whenever we started dating. And she's been pushing me to talk to people about it. You have to talk. Go to the Lord. He's drawing close enough to whisper to you. He has not left you. Put your stiff arm down. Let him pull you out of the pit. Don't try to do it on your own. And that leads me to my last point. And that is his acceptance is the key to your freedom. And I have text to back it up. Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, without blame before him in love. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who should be against us? Psalms 27, 8 through 10. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Long before he even spoke, let there be light, you were on his mind. He had already chosen you for a time as this. He had already accepted you. He knew what you were going to do. He knew that you were going to stiff arm him. You knew, he knew others were going to stiff arm you, yet he chose you from the beginning. I'm not even going to say of time because time wasn't even an entity yet. You have been chosen <laughs> and loved long before you took a breath on this planet. Long before your grandparents took a breath, long before Adam took a breath on this planet, you were looked at, you were chosen, and you were accepted far beyond you could start rejecting him. Far beyond. And in preparation for this sermon, one poem kept coming to my mind. And it's silly, I know, but bear with me. If the band could come up, this is where we're going to start winding down. I'm going to land the plane. <laughs> and that poem is Footprints in the Sand. If you've heard it before, bear with me. If you haven't, praise the Lord. I'm going to read it to you. It says, one night I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand 
And I noticed that many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. And this really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there were only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And he whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and testings when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Looking back on my life, and I've looked back a lot this week, I have done more life searching this week than I've done in 24 years of life. Every time I look back and I saw only one set of footprints, I had the exact same question. How could you leave me? I was by myself. I was by myself in that room that night. Where were you? (laughs) And then he whispers. And he was like, I was right there. There's a reason it didn't work. There's a reason you're still here. There's a reason you still draw breath. That's because I carried you. You see, those times where you feel the lowest and the saddest, he is carrying you all the way home. He has a plan for your life, and he's gonna, even if he has to carry you, he is going to fulfill it. Your plan will be fulfilled, even if he has to carry you through the trenches of life. When you feel like you're alone, he's whispering. So start listening. Start listening, lean into him. Open your Bible, put on some worship music and start tuning in to what the Lord's trying to say to you because it's the moments where we feel the furthest away from God that he's drawing the closest. And that brings me down to my main point is that there is freedom in knowing that you're accepted by Jesus and that's it. That's the only place where the freedom comes from. The only way to truly live free of rejection is knowing that the one who created you and knows you better than yourself has already accepted you. Accepting Jesus is the only way, is the only true way to exit the cage of Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, but you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. (laughs) but he does (laughs) and maybe you're sitting right there and you're thinking but I've been rejected by so many people I've had doors slammed in my face more times than I can count it's done flatten my nose the Lord has never left you he has been by your side if not carrying you every step of the way or maybe you're thinking I shut the door on him I did it. He's never done it. I did it. Because of this, that, or the other. (laughs) You think a door's gonna hold him back? (laughs) He has already gone through that door and he is right there beside you, trying, begging, pleading for your attention. Look at me. Run into my arms. He's already opened the cage. Exit it and run into his arms. So if that's you this morning, 
We're gonna have prayer partners come up here. Please tell someone, let us pray with you. Be vulnerable, have the strength to go there. Please. And also, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this. And for that, I'm sorry. The church has done a bad job of reminding people how loved and accepted they are. That's just facts. You've done a bad job. But you are. You are loved and you are accepted. And man, the Lord is begging for a relationship with you. Begging. Or maybe this is the first time in a long time that you've heard this. He's still begging. He's still the same. He wants you. He died for you. So we're going to go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. And it would be wrong of me to present you this and not give you a time to respond. So maybe this is the first time in a long time. Or maybe it's the first time ever. And if so, this is your chance right now to take the first step out of that cage and accept him. I'm gonna count to three, and if that's you, please just by faith, raise your hand. Nobody's looking around, but the Lord sees you. So one, two, three. Yes, praise the Lord, yes. Yes, praise God. Believers, if you would, just lift up your voices with them. And let's, 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 let's do this as a family. Lord, we thank you. Father, we thank you for accepting us. We thank you for choosing us. And we thank you for ultimately dying for us so that we may live free with you. Father, we thank you for coming into our life and setting us free from rejection. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.